Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports Week two, locks time. Tom Fernelli, Barton Simmons, we are back together. We've got uh, we've, we've got a slate that has us um, looking to to reclaim uh, some some lost territory. There were some, there were some L's, you know. I'm I think that we've got everybody except for Tom. Barton and I are hanging out around 500. Tom just a just about two and a half units uh, above 500. So um, gentlemen, uh, before we jump into our locks, before we review where we were at and where we won and lost in week one, how are we feeling approaching week two? I, I actually feel pretty good. I mean, it was, it was a, a little bit of a rough first week, but I didn't have a great I didn't go into that week super confident in those picks. I think I said that up front. I feel actually fortunate to be just uh, one game below 500. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm, 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 I'm okay with like my reasoning, my rationale for my picks. And so I actually like the slate a lot better this week. Uh, so I'm I'm actually in a pretty good spot mentally, despite uh, despite not finishing in the black week one. You know, Chip, all my picks come with a hundred percent guarantee of being picks. <laughs> of being picks. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm more confident this week simply because you know we have more information to work with. Whereas, like in in the opening week, it's hard to be super confident because you're kind of just relying on your opinions that without any factual evidence yet to really support them. You're just kind of flying blind and trying to make the best decisions. Whereas in the second week of the season, not only have you seen the teams, but you can kind of get ahead of how people are going to react to what they've seen and you mm. can try to use that to your advantage. So mm. I'm feeling confident. I'm just praying that I'm not in another lock fight with a dentist because that shakes a man to his very core when it happens. <laughs> well, the dentist does have a lock. So uh, <laughs> we'll get it we'll ready. See, we'll, we'll, we'll see if you make the, the, the wise decision on uh, which side of that lock you're going to go. All Picture right. me waking up in a cold sweat at 3 a.m. to that drill sound. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to review for uh, for Tom, he was six and five in week one with his two wins in week zero. That puts him to eight and five on the season. His wins were Utah minus five, the under in FIU Tulane, the over in Purdue Nevada, uh, Rice covering that 21 and a half. Just phew, great. That no no sweats there. No. Uh, Auburn minus three and a half. Many sweats there. Uh, nah, in the bag the whole time. And UCLA was a loss. That was a, a rough start for our, uh, That's I guess, Lock Unity is now one and one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a loss on USC minus 13 and a half. 
Loss on the over in Ole Miss Memphis that going against the dentist, as we mentioned. Loss in the under in Boise, Florida State. And uh, a loss on Pitt plus two and a half. Uh, one on Houston plus 23 and a half. So again, six and five in week one, eight and five overall. Barton, uh, Colorado minus 13. That's a winner. Wonder if he goes back to uh, the buffs here against his beloved Scott Frost Huskers. Uh, a win it for Tulsa minus 22 and a half against Michigan State. Uh, continuing to follow that trend of Michigan State openers. Under 56, Auburn, Oregon is a win. And Virginia minus two and a half is a winner. The losses, UCLA, as we mentioned, uh, Georgia Southern plus 27 and a half. Wake minus three and a half. The Wake did get the, uh, the win there, a comeback win. Uh, Louisiana Tech plus 20 and a half. Also uh, a loser on the under. Four and five on the week. Five and five on the season. Chip lost the under in Clemson, Georgia Tech. And that is not a principle that I will continue to play. I introduced it as a potential principle for the season. Scrapping it already. And we are immediately throwing it out the window. (laughs) Uh, Also a loss on UMass plus 15, the fight in white Walt Bells. Ohio State could not cover uh, the under 47 in Iowa. Miami did not cover. And uh, our push for Notre Dame minus 18. Illinois was a winner. Under 48 BYU Utah is a winner. Over in uh, Wake, Utah State was a winner, and uh, I also got in on the under 56, Auburn, Oregon. So four and six week one, five and six for the season. All right, for the purposes of timing, how many logs do we have out there that we might be throwing on the fire? I am at seven. Nice. Four, five, six, seven. I'm at, I'm at eight with about two to three uh, – Sitting outside the fire that I'm that I'm pondering. Yeah, as always, there's a couple I could be coerced into pulling the trigger on. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, all right, y'all ready to lock it up? Yep. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right, Tom, you were 6-5 and five in week one. That means that you've got the honors on the tee box. means you get us started here in week two. Uh, I'm going to start with my lock of the week in the six-pack this week. I'm taking Miami minus four at North Carolina. Earlier I mentioned that in this week, this is a time where you could take advantage of people thinking they know things after only a week of action. And I think this is definitely one of those times because North Carolina had the comeback win against South Carolina on Saturday. It was a great story. Mac Brown was crying on the field. But in reality, North Carolina won the game, but it's not like they were a dominant force in that game. They didn't play all that well. They just played slightly better than South Carolina over the final 15 minutes, and they scored enough points to get the win, whereas Miami had last week off, but the last we saw of it, its offensive line was allowing 10 sacks to a Florida defense and still playing a close game against the Gators on you know week zero opening night. Well... North Carolina's defense is not Florida's defense, and while Miami's offensive line still has a lot of work to do, it's had the last week to get ready for this game. It's going to have a much easier time facing North Carolina, and when you just look at the battle of the athletes versus the athletes on the other side, Miami has a clear advantage in this one, so I feel like if there's any team in this game that's going to repeat the Florida 10-sack performance, 
It's probably going to be Miami, not North Carolina. So if I can get the Canes at less than a touchdown as a favorite in this one, I'm all over it. I think they're going to win by at least 10. Lock agreement. There we go. Unite us. Unite the clans. Barton? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> you guys are going to have to fight your war without me. Okay. Uh, let me let me throw in a few more notes here to, to back up, Tom. This is absolutely uh, an, an emotional letdown spot potentially for a, a young inexperienced North Carolina team that uh, made a lot of mistakes even despite the win a North Carolina coaching staff that made a lot of mistakes despite the win and uh, and if we want to look at you know it's just even into the details this is not they, they say they're going to let Sam Howell loose a little bit, but they're not going to let Sam Howell loose against this Miami defense. Even if they get in scoring position, I expect it'll be like it was in that opener. Uh, play conservative, play for field goals, try and uh, figure out a way to let Jay Bateman's defense come up with some plays and some stops. I've, I've definitely got this game uh, penciled in with a, a Miami double-digit win. I think they win by like 10 to 14 points. There's going to be... Uh, a lot of emotion. It might be a little tight early, but over time, man, I just I don't see uh, Sam Howell moving this North Carolina offense down the field on Miami's defense often. And I think that those Miami linebackers, like the idea of third and long against this uh, freshman quarterback who's been bobbling the ball all over the place, I, I just think that the turnover chain comes out uh, more than the turnover belt, and Miami gets this cover. That's my uh, I do I, I am not gonna lock this, but I mean I I am on y'all's side on this. My the reason I hesitate to pull the trigger is that in some ways North Carolina, those some of those coaching bungles and some of the uh conservative play calling and particularly in the first half in the red zone with the freshman quarterback is the only thing that kept that game close. You know, North Carolina outgained South Carolina by over 200 yards. Uh, and I didn't even, because I was watching it, you know, and as I was watching in real time, I was watching other games, and I was just sort of, you know, look up all of a sudden, and North, South Carolina, who's been in the lead all game, is about to lose it to North Carolina. And I'm like, wow, man, what a, man, North Carolina stole that one. And then I go back and look at it. It's like, no, wait a minute. Like, North Carolina actually dominated that game. They just didn't, they didn't capitalize when they're close to the goal line, in part because in the first half, they, they, they ran it 11 of 12 plays in the first half inside the 25. Right. Uh, just because they didn't want to give the ball to, to Sam Howell and, and let him turn the ball over. So that, that, that's just my hesitation. I, I think y'all are on the right side of this, but, I'm, but the reason I can't unite the clans here is, uh, is, is I think Sam Howell. I mean, hey, Miami's got a, a freshman quarterback too. So I just, it, it, this, 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 South, this North Carolina team is, is pretty fascinating to me considering how many close games they lost last year, how many injuries they had and, and how much more talented they are than last year's record showed. So uh, this is going to be a telling week on rewatch. Uh, Jay Bateman's defense undersized, but they were in the right place. Old Army DC, it felt like he, I thought that he called a good game. And though, granted, it's not like South Carolina's offense or Jake Bentley. We, we've never really looked at them as like offensive savants on Will Muschamp's staff, something that we have discussed uh, already this week. But um, didn't you think on rewatch, pretty good North Carolina defense played a little bit above its head. Give us a coaching staff some credit there. Yeah. Jay Bateman's a very good defensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I agree there. All right, Barton, uh, take us where you want to go. Uh, 
So let's see. Uh, well, first, I'm going to go weeknight game. Um, I'm going to go back to, I guess I'm not going to Winston-Salem. I'm going to, to Houston. Uh, Wake is playing at Rice. The line has moved up, it appears, to 19. Uh, I'm going to play Wake uh, minus 19. Here's my thought process. We all watched that Rice-Army game, a lot of it anyways. I know because we were all watching Columbia-Sweden bowling uh, before that game. (laughs) In anticipation of the, of what was coming on next on season. Shout out to the Colombian bowling team, by the way. If you if you miss the Colombia bowling team, then I I'm sorry for you. You may want to look it up on on uh, on DVR, see if they run a replay somewhere. But it was it was a good it was a good appetizer for the game. The game was a good game too, and it was a close game, and it was impressive to see rice take that kind of a step forward and they it it appears that mike bloomgram has really made strides with that program and yet that rice uh army game was like the perfect game for rice to open up and and sort of show some improvement because they were going to play the same style i mean different offensive systems but both run heavy clock you know, uh, ball control, um, time of possession teams. And so the game was shortened and rice could shorten it their side. Army was shortening on their side. And you know, you look up at the end of the game and, uh, rice had a chance to win it. Army classic, like 15 play 90 yard, 10 minute drive to win it. But my, my issue here is that's not going to work for wake. Now, uh, you know, maybe maybe Rice can just sort of possess the ball for 10 minutes and uh, get a couple, you know, shorten that game too. But if Wake gets a couple stops and then if Wake gets a couple scores, then all of a sudden Rice has got to figure out a way to score. And one big takeaway from that game last week is Rice's quarterback, I thought, was horrible. I was I was really troubled by what's going on under center at Rice. I mean, that guy does not – there's zero confidence – when he's throwing the football. So if they've got to throw to throw the ball, I think Wake can take advantage of that. Um, this is also a team that Wake beat last year by 32. The score was 42 to three at halftime. Um, just, you know, with a, they're going to get, they go from ball control, run game offense to this, you know, Wake is just sort of 100 miles an hour NASCAR offense. I just think that this is, you know, a three touchdown win by Wake. Uh, I'm going to bet on Dave Clawson for the second week in a row and hope he doesn't let me down this time. I've got to play on this game, but it is not on the spread. Uh, I will be locking up the over in this game. Uh, I've got it at 58 and a half. And I understand that that is asking for some contribution from Rice. I'm probably asking for two touchdowns. I probably need 10 to 14 points from Rice to be able to get there, but I also don't think that uh, Wake is solid enough defensively to for sure in a like back and forth game be able to keep Rice out of the end zone for uh, for four quarters. And so if, you know, Wake overs uh, week one, I was in, 
week two, I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna stay in the pool. I think a lot of people just might we we might be ahead of the market in realizing that Wake Forest has one of the one of the most up tempo offenses in the country, a quarterback who can be productive in it, some good wide receivers. So uh so I'll be locking up fifty eight and a half. Chip, we are two for two on lock agreement. I am also on the over fifty eight and a half. Uh, for a lot of the reasons you said, and also Barton, as you mentioned, they played last year and it was 42 to three at halftime. Well, it finished 56 to 24. The, I, I just feel like wake is going to be able to score a lot of points on rice for the, a lot of the same reasons you're taking them to cover the spread. But I also think that, you know, if you look at what happened with wake last week against Utah state, Utah state's better than rice, but the wake defense still allowed nearly six yards per carry. And I think that Rice, you know, that's pretty much what they're going to be trying to do because they do move it at a really slow pace and they try to control the clock. So they're going to be running a lot. And I think they'll probably find some success against Wake, not enough to really threaten to win the game, but enough to maybe get a couple touchdowns or something that we're going to need to get the over. But like Chip said, I think Wake's going to get about 49 points on its own anyway. So I don't need Rice to do too much here. Yeah. Just, just I, I mean, your comments about the I did not have, uh, I did not have as many eyes on Rice Army. Barton, your, uh, your scouting of that quarterback situation makes me a little bit nervous, but I can't, I can't, you know, chicken out here. It's, we're, uh, we're, you may be able to get a pick six out of him. <laughs> yeah, he may score for you one way or the other. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's go back to Barton. All right. Um. All right, I'm going to go with that Maryland Syracuse game. Kind of a kind of an odd line, right? Like mm. it's Maryland's two point favorites. I think you can get it at one and a half at places right now. Uh, so I'm going to take it at one and a half. Um, I, this is so I'm taking Maryland. Um, I, I understand that Syracuse probably wasn't showing us a lot in week one against Liberty. I understand that Tommy DeVito probably had an uncharacteristically bad game. But I also think that this is a good and I you know I'm trying not to overreact to Howard. Obviously you don't want to do that to a to a Howard win. But when you I think one of the eye openers for me with um with Illinois or I'm sorry with Maryland is that it's it's still I think it was I, I haven't pulled up the I don't have the list pulled up but then team talent composite they're 26th I think in in total team talent uh, to Syracuse I think they're 60th and you know Syracuse recruits a little bit I mean they've they've got to be a little more projecting in what they do than than probably Maryland does given their location so even if those are a little skewed I think this Maryland team regardless, is just a more talented team than probably they've been given credit for. Uh, they and, and the other big thing of this Maryland deal is they have had like dramatic, ridiculous quarterback injury issues over the past three years, really. And, and they have had bad quarterback play. And if they just get decent quarterback play out of Josh Jackson, that's a huge step forward that's a that's a that's a huge net win there for this program and so uh i just think in a game i i know that um syracuse has, has got some talent on the defensive front but i have a little less faith in them 
being clicking this quickly on offense with uh, Eric Dungy gone at quarterback. So I just think Maryland right now, I'm going to try to get ahead of this while there's still some value before people start to realize Maryland's a good team. And it looks like some people are. I mean, Maryland's favored over a top 25 team. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and, and and play this early before uh, before people start to realize Maryland's pretty good. And, and something to consider is like Syracuse's offense is very different on the road compared to when it's at home. Like they only scored 24 points on the road against Liberty last week, which, you know, part of that was probably, you know, game situations, not feeling the need, the need to do much more than that. But last year, even Syracuse scored 48 points per game at home. On the road, it only scored 33.6. So, I mean, that's a two-touchdown difference. So I feel like it's going against Syracuse here, even though it's the ranked team on the road, for the second week in a row to open the season, I don't think that's a bad play at all. And plus, this is now, just mentioning, they're going to Maryland, and they've got uh, Clemson coming to their place next week. Yeah, they still haven't so, played at home. Open the yeah. season at in Lynchburg of all places against uh, Liberty. Then you go to uh, college park week two. I look, I'm, I have a play on this game. You, you know, I'm a, a little bit of a Syracuse Dino fanboy, but my, my play here is actually on the under. Uh, I believe Tommy DeVito, like not only was it a, a little bit of game plan and like they didn't need to do anything and maybe it was not wanting to show too much, but Tommy DeVito just wasn't really efficient with the ball. He, they did not, that offense was not rolling well. The defense was what was holding it together. I think these are two very competitive teams, and I think it could be one of the like more uh, sort of fun, interesting, you know, like the, the kind of game where I don't think that everyone signs up and expects for it to be the one of the better games of the day, but I, I would not be surprised at all if it is. Barton, you mentioned Syracuse opened, book, odds makers opened them as a two-point favorite, Everyone jumps on Maryland. So the it the word is starting to get out that Maryland might have a doggone good football team right now. I told I've got no lock feels on uh the like who ends up coming out on top because it feels like one of those games where it's gonna be a, a pick six or a broken coverage or just you know, some wild college football dumb play ends up sort of like tilting the game in the third and fourth quarter. But because I do expect it to be tight and because I do kind of like both of these defenses, my play in this game is actually gonna be on the under and I've got it at fifty-eight. So I will be on the Syracuse Maryland under fifty eight. And you mentioned that defensive line. Uh, I I've said it on CBS Sports HQ. I'll keep saying it. the The defense for Syracuse might be the best unit that they've got. They got good special teams, good defense, and uh, that's the plan. Is that holds things together until Tommy DeVito really gets his feet under him. Let's see. Um, we got three. All right, Tom, back to you. All right, fellas, this one's kind of a principal play. Uh, do you remember last week when I took the over in Ole Miss Memphis? Yes. Did you guys watch Ole Miss Memphis? I was yes. uh, I was flipping around to it. What if I told you after watching Ole Miss last week that they would be favored the next week? <laughs> <laughs> By nearly a touchdown against an SEC team. Because that's exactly the situation we find ourselves in right now with Ole Miss favored by six and a half at home against Arkansas. And there is no way in the world 
I could take Ole Miss as a favorite against an SEC team. Arkansas didn't look great itself in a win over Portland State. It was only 20-13, to 13, but going on the road even here, I mean, this is, this is a huge battle in the SEC West because the loser of this game is almost guaranteed to finish in last place in the division. So it's a lot of high stakes here, but I just like Arkansas. I have more trust in Arkansas, particularly on offense. I don't think either of these defenses are very good. And I think that Arkansas, at least after a rough start playing two quarterbacks, Maybe in week two going on the road for a game that matters a little more. They've got a more cohesive unit, a more cohesive plan in offense, and I think they're going to find a lot of success against this Ole Miss defense. And I think that at the very least, they're going to cover. If you want to take them on the money line, I couldn't go against your thought process for it, but I would I would rather have the six and a half points. I'm calling the hogs. I'm taking the six and a half. Lock it up. Did you hear that, Tom? Yes. That's uh, that's the dentist wants wants to come on in the room and check you out. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you. You know you're laying back in the in the chair. You got your <laughs> your mouth wide open. You're oh. a little vulnerable right now, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, not you know, just seeing seeing if your how your checkup's going. Well, uh, I got news for you. You have dental agreement here. Oh, oh thank, thank goodness. <laughs> Everything's looking good under the hood. You know, <laughs> you've been brushing, you've been flossing. I have, I have. The dentist also likes Arkansas plus six and a half. Um, you know, he there's a there's a long uh, explanation for why he likes it, but all that matters is that the dentist likes it. You've given plenty of good reasons yourself. Uh and he would recommend, uh, in addition to flossing, buying the hook if you can. Uh, but he's going to take Arkansas plus six and a half as well. We were. Uh, I was so terrified there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so the like Rich Rodriguez, Mike McIntyre was sold as a reason to get excited about Ole Miss Barton, Tom, and I were considering if both of them are just trying to tank it and out tank each other to get Matt Luke fired. Like it's just like see who can tank it like the least obviously, right. so that they are the next in line. <laughs> right, <laughs> they're actually competing with each other to both sabotage the season, but also get the leg up on each other to get promoted as the interim and potential replacement. <laughs> um, yeah, this the the interim to the interim. Uh, is, uh, is 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 a an aggressive play? You know, I, I thought about jumping in on this too. I just, you know, the the part of this equation we haven't discussed is the fact that Arkansas barely beat Portland State last week. Um, so, but I would imagine that Arkansas probably was a little bit more inclined to to keep things a little close to the vest, not show. You know, Ole Miss is trying to win last week. Arkansas was just trying to get through and, and not show their hand maybe. So, uh, you know, they, they don't exactly inspire confidence, but I would also be on this if I had to take a side. Coming up on the other side, we will turn our attention to Clemson, Texas A&M, see if anyone's got any action, uh, any locks on Texas LSU, and more next. All right, I'm going to take us to Death Valley, the uh, the afternoon game on Saturday Texas A&M shows up and uh, and and they are big to after two point losers in College Station. 
they find themselves three score underdogs against the Tigers. And I'm looking at this game, and I believe, number one, you know, I told you Clemson unders, I'm throwing out the window. Uh, I believe that Kellen Mond will be able to score. I think he's going to be able to move the ball against this Clemson defense. You know, Jimbo Fisher is going to have a, a good plan to set him up to succeed. I think they find, uh, I think they find the end zone a couple times. But uh, but as I'm as I'm actually you know trying to to pin down a final score on this game, and as I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make a move on the spread, I, I just continue to see this path where. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is able to hit a couple long touchdown passes and where Travis Etienne is uh, is just just the icer. I mean, he just he comes in and as they're trying to win these ball games, he's going to end up breaking a few loose for long touchdowns. I feel comfortable laying 17 points with Clemson in a game that I think that they're probably going to end up winning. The score that I've got in my head is 45 to 23. So I will take the Tigers and I will lay the 17. I am not locking it up, but I had to pick this game in the six pack, obviously, because it's one of the big games of the week. And I'm also on Clemson minus 17. And I like it for pretty much a lot of the reasons you said. And I think last year, yes, it was a two point loss in College Station, but it was in College Station and it was before Clemson had fully handed the offensive reins over to Trevor Lawrence. And if you remember correctly, I think Trevor Lawrence, you know, was kind of the catalyst for that offense in that game last season. So coming back to Clemson for the return favor, I think that Clemson is better. And also, so this is one, you know, when it comes to fading the public, you don't just blindly do it. You know, you don't blindly go against the public, but you look for situations where there's chalk that probably shouldn't be chalk. And right now, as we record this, Texas A&M is getting about 80% of the bets. So they are very heavily the public play. So to be contrarian or to fade the public, you get the defending national <laughs> champions at home. So for me, this seems like one of those obvious, like if you're going to be a contrarian, fade the public, I don't think you're going to get a much better, juicier opportunity to do it than this. I'm not locking it up simply because 17 is a lot of points, but I do agree, Chip. I think this is like a 41 to 20 kind of game. So I I'm with you. I'm just not going to lock it. Oh, I mean, honestly, th this is one of these games where it's like, what am what am I missing here? What? Why is this 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 line looks ridiculous to me? Clemson's really, really, really good. Like, like Texas A and M might be the number twelve team in the country. They might be the twelfth best team in the country, but the difference between number twelve and number one might be seventeen points. Well, yeah, I guess, but I mean, this team. Like Texas A&M last year, in in year one, you know, only went to the road, went on the roads, and lost to Alabama by twenty two. You know, as a and and Alabama was at that point like clicking on all cylinders, like everything was good, everyone was healthy. Texas A&M was still in just sort of like the, oh, is Kellen Mond actually good? Like we were still in that phase with, with Texas A&M. I think that they've – like this is a – I would I suspect this is still a much better Texas A&M team than last year. Uh, I, I think Clemson is and – I, and I don't want to take too much from the win or the, the close game last year at home, but you got to take a little bit from it. I mean, A&M knows they can play with these guys. They did it last year. 
and th- this is a I think this is a more stout defensive line in particular for Texas A&M. This is a, a more confident quarterback in Kellen Mond. This is a I just think and Jimbo Fisher, I mean, everyone like they didn't I mean they I'm sure they've been preparing for this game all year. Uh they they certainly weren't prepared for Texas State. I, I don't know, man. Like I'm tempted to I'm 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 tempted to lock fight this thing, but I don't but but I think the biggest thing for me is like what Tom said is I don't I mean everyone's betting A and M. So clearly everyone's thinking what I'm thinking. So you know, if you know, I I must be missing something. So I'm just I, this. I'm I'm struggling with this one here. This was on the just missed in my just missed pile here. Uh, Jimbo Fisher one and four in Death Valley. By the way, only win came in the 2013 national championship winning season. So he knows he knows how to get there. Sure. Yeah. Just hadn't won a lot. Um. All right, Bard. Back to you. All right. Uh. That was a struggle, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that alone, I guess. Uh, Wait, what was the struggle? Just deciding whether or not to play that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go with. Uh, how about another brand name team? You see, so I'm, I'm gonna go back to that Army Rice game. Um, this is a this number is a little bit big, and. I, you know, I would it would be nice if it was 18 and a half, 19, 20, but it's 22. Michigan's laying 22. Lay it. Uh, and everyone's gassed up about Army because what they did to Oklahoma last year. And uh, they won whatever they won, 10, 11 games last year. The, Michigan, like Don Brown, Michigan's defensive coordinator, has been talking about this game all summer. He's like, they, like they've been preparing for Army like it's. I mean, I think they have a ton of respect for Army. They've been preparing for it. Uh, they probably uh, who they be last week? Miss oh, MTSU. They probably like didn't even care about MTSU and, and were focused on this Army game. Um, I think is this is not Oklahoma. Oklahoma couldn't stop the run. I mean, that, that was Oklahoma's identity last year. Is they couldn't stop the run. This is a Michigan team that I think will be able to get some stops. And there's just like there was a uh, I thought a great quote that um, Jeff Mocken had after this Rice game was sort of like someone asked him, hey, you know, how did you, you know, did you some of the like sort of implying was there sort of a, a letdown, you know, how'd y'all keep it close? And he was like, look, do you guys know what I'm working with here? He said, we offered 80 of the 85 players on that Rice roster they offered none of ours he was like we are a mismatch at every position in every game we play and this is i mean this is a this is about to be a challenge that that army like more significantly more so than like the oklahoma game last year and i just think michigan if they get loose if they get going uh again they're going to want to keep on getting kind of uh loosened up offensively and if they if they can put the uh, their foot on the gas, I think they will. So I think that this is a little bit of a splash of cold water on the whole Army feel-good story the last couple years. And I think Michigan uh, does what maybe they people thought they were going to do last week to MTSU, and they uh, they win by a pretty significant number. 
Lock agreement. All right. That makes me feel better. Tom's got a yeah. good note on this one. Here, here's some fun stats for you. First of all, Michigan has now played 11 non-conference games in Ann Arbor under Jim Harbaugh. They've won all 11 of them by an average of 29.3 points per game. That's promising. Furthermore, Michigan's defensive line coach is Sean Nua. It's his first season on the Michigan coaching staff. Last year he was at Arizona State. You know where he was the six seasons before that? Navy. So I have a feeling that he's pretty much prepared and knows how to stop an option attack on with his defensive line. So I have no concerns about Michigan's run defense against this Army offense. Plus, Michigan's run defense last week certainly wasn't a problem, even in a struggle against Middle Tennessee. They still held him to like two and a half yards per carry. And if we saw Army last week against Rice... Army had, a, you know, like you said, they struggled moving the ball. They had the two long touchdown drives, but other than that, they didn't find a whole lot of success. So if you can't find that much success against Rice's defense, what can I realistically expect you to do against Michigan? I love Army. I just do not think that this is the ideal matchup for them. I think they're going to be playing. They're going to be way out of their element here, and there is a chance that they could slow the game down enough to stay within this number. But I don't see it happening because I think that Michigan, you know, last week, too, if we, we forget, they were missing a few key players on offense because injuries like Donovan Peoples-Jones did not play in last week's game. There's a chance he might not play this week either. But still, I think that talent wise, Michigan is going to be able to overwhelm the Army defense and their defense is going to do enough to slow down the Army offense. And I think that this is going to be a relatively easy cover. And this is another kind of fade the public situation because when this line came out last week, now the, the betting's much more even, but the reaction from most people when I posted this line to my Twitter feed was, that's way too many points. I'm taking Army. And I, I think that's not really thinking it through. Yeah, another one that you can add to the Michigan defensive brain trust for this one, they hired Nate Woody as a defensive analyst uh, Nate Woody has been the defensive coordinator at Georgia Tech uh, before go. this, so <laughs> they're going to have a few keys to stopping the option, and uh, they're going to in any of those indicators that are floating around out there. This staff is qu- equipped to dig them up. Uh, I like the play, and for me, but for me to lock it up would just be uh, playing copycat, and this is a competition. So, good luck. <laughs> I think you're probably right, but uh, I'll be on the other side. I guess. I've- I've made four picks so far, and I've got lock agreement on all four of them. <laughs> I am not going to be gaining ground on anybody this week. <laughs> well, you're on the same side as the dentist, and that's what counts. So I'm one and zero already. That's what matters. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, let's go, Tom. Back to you. Uh, all right, for my next one, I'm going to take my first under of the week. I am taking the under 49 in Minnesota at Fresno State. Uh, I just think that this is going to be kind of a few possession game, whereas, you know, Minnesota, what we saw against South Dakota State, they, they got a scare from the Jackrabbits. The Jackrabbits are a good FCS team. They reached the semifinals in the FCS playoffs last year. But more than anything, I mean, Minnesota ran the ball on two thirds of its plays. That's kind of where they are right now with their offense, or at least where P.J. Fleck feels comfortable with his offense. He's more comfortable with their run game than he is their passing game. And I think going on the road against Fresno State, we're probably not going to see Minnesota suddenly decide to air it out. They're going to kind of move at that same pace they had last week. They're going to run the ball. And Fresno last week, you know, they looked solid against USC. I lost my, you know, lock of the week taking USC minus the two touchdowns. Fresno covered and looked pretty decent, but... 
they ran the ball quite a bit as well in that game, and they found success doing it. And they saw that Minnesota, while you know struggling, the biggest problem Minnesota had last week was stopping South Dakota State's rushing attack. They allowed, I think, 5.6 yards per carry in that game. So if you're Fresno, you're going to see that as a weakness, and you're probably going to want to attack it. So I think what we're going to see is two teams running the ball a lot, which is going to lead to fewer plays, and fewer plays leads to fewer points, and fewer points leads to an under. So I like the under 49 here. Uh, yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, go for it. That's <laughs> all, all you, my man. Finally um, flying solo. That's why I went with that one next. Cause I knew I was going to be low. <laughs> yeah, you knew none of us, neither of us could touch that thing. Is anybody going to make an LSU Texas play? Yes. On the locks? Yes. Okay. All right. So let's hear it. Yeah. Because I might jump in on you here. So let's let's see what you got. How can you not take Texas plus the points here? I mean, I think LSU is going to win the game, but let's here here it comes. You ready? Tom Herman, been a head coach since 2015, I think. He's been an underdog 16 times. He's 13, two and one against the spread as an underdog. Five at home. They're 4-0-1 against the spread in those five games. I mean, they might win outright. I don't think they will. But as this spread, I think it what started at like three. And it's it, it was it was uh, Texas was like laying a point um, maybe like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Like in, so, I mean, this has moved dramatically. And it, when it when it started, like when it first opened, like back in the summer, I think it even opened initially at like LSU minus seven. It's gotten all the way down to Texas minus a point, and now it's back up to LSU minus six. I, I could get, it's at six and a half now. So it's like I see all this, and it's like, man, I just need Texas to kind of hang within a touchdown. And I think Texas is fully capable of doing that. I think, you know, as we've seen, Tom Herman not only covers as an underdog a lot, he usually wins the game outright. So I'm not willing to go that far because I think that while these two programs are similar, I think LSU is a little further ahead in reaching its goal than Texas is right now. But I can't go against the Horns here as underdogs at home under Tom Herman. I have to take the points. You doing it? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I I actually like. I mean, well, basically, the line just just screwed me here because I, I do like LSU in this game. I like them to win, uh, and I think they're better. And I think that there's a chance they cover this, but with it creeping up towards a touchdown, that's just too much. That's too many points. I think this. I mean, Tom Herman has a way of of of. Uh, giving them a chance in this sort of spot and Sam Ellinger, I, I trust him too much to bet against him. So I, yeah, like this, if this was down at three and a half, even I would be probably playing LSU, but up in six, six plus, like I, uh, uh, nah, I can't, I, I can't do that. So yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you roll solo here. Yeah. I'm leaving it alone. Uh, <sighs> You guys pull in the Herb Street. Well, we're calling the game. We can't, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, this is called the locks. And I just like I'm so excited for it. But I have no uh, I have no feel that is strong enough outside of Barton. Kind of like you. It's like 
LSU should win this game. If LSU doesn't win this game, either LSU uh, screwed something up or just something heroic happened for Sam Ellinger and the potential in this hot Austin night of Sam Ellinger doing something heroic is enough that I'm not going to lock up LSU, but I don't want my lock hopes to be on the iconic Texas quarterback putting the whole team on his back and, and LSU's defense cramping up and not showing up because like I, I kind of think like Caleb on chasing is going to kill somebody, you know, like there's like LSU is going to come out hitting so hard and I don't think Texas is deep. I, how about this? I don't think Texas's offense has a real hard edge to it. I don't think it's got a, I, I don't know if it's got the fight. I don't know if it's got the, um, and I don't, I don't know if it has that impose your will against the opponent that you're going to need against LSU. And I think that Texas's offense against LSU's defense is really where that game is decided. Joe Burrow might get a little thrown off at times and that offense might take a while to get clicking, but given enough shots, he's going to, he is going to connect with enough wide receivers for LSU to get the touchdowns that they need to win. But I, again, I think the game is won with Texas's offense against LSU's defense. Yeah. And, uh, if you are going to be in Austin, uh, let us know. Tell us where to go uh, check out your tailgate. We'll be at Little Woodrow's on 6th Street uh, during, I think, a lot of the day on Saturday. I heard Chip's going to be in the stadium, street. I think. Uh, so, yeah. The old, what is, yeah so, so, anyway, so, yeah. Uh, give, us, give, me, give me some racks on where I need to get some, you know, some food or there won't be a line out the door. Um, all right, I'm gonna take us to uh, I'm gonna take us to Rocky Top. Oh, you're gonna play this game! Yep. I can't wait to hear what you're gonna play. Tennessee minus three. Oh, wow! They've got to. I mean, they've got to. This this is a this this is looking Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, this looking into Jeremy Pruitt's eyes and being like, buddy, if. If you're going to you this is a pivot moment because if Tennessee loses this game the defeatist mentality the like everything is crumbling nothing is great uh that's you know like Butch Jones's positivity and optimism was able to like put a nice cover over what has just sort of been that building frustration and and habit of losing habitual losing uh that has been building up sort of across the I guess this decade and, uh, and and maybe I guess you could stretch that even a little bit further back. But I, I I look at it and I'm like, man, Tennessee's the more talented team. I didn't think – I know that Utah is an awesome team, but I didn't think BYU looked great. And if Tennessee doesn't have uh, some kind of response, man, this is, uh, this, this is going to be a troublesome season in Knoxville. So it is, it is very much like – I. I am locking up what I expect to be uh, a not desperation, but certainly a get right statement effort. And if it's not there, well, boy. Uh, yes. Yeah. That was what Georgia State was singing in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm locking up Tennessee minus three. 
I tell you what, man. Tip tip of the cap to you for playing this game. Uh, I mean, this is like I, I'm so I am so fascinated by this game. So I probably would have if if Tennessee had beaten Georgia State by like 20, I would probably be on BYU right now. But because they lost, uh, it's almost like yeah, it's I mean this is their. This is their Alamo in a way. This is their this is their last. I mean, this if they lose this one, and even though BYU would be a respectable loss, like I think that's a good team. Um, if they lose this one, that's I mean, what does that say, buddy? When I, <laughs> I, I, I talked to uh, when I was talking to someone in that in the Tennessee building um, before the season, you know, just sort of generally about the season, and I was like, you know, I said something to the effect of like, man, you guys better watch out for week two. Like BYU's pretty good, and they're like, "Oh, don't you worry. Like we, like we know. Like, like we're ready for that one." And it, and like there was no, I didn't like say, "Well, what about Week One, Georgia State?" But it, there, the answer was like, it was almost like made me think, in, and not at the time, but after seeing that Georgia State loss, it made me think. I wonder if like they just assumed they were going to beat Georgia State. They knew they had a real test on their hands the following week at, at BYU. And, you know, it's clearly they weren't ready for Georgia State. Clearly they hadn't really pr- given it the, the, the proper attention and preparation. But I, I, I think maybe it's because they were – and they, they have no business doing this because they're not a good enough team to do this. But maybe they were zeroed in on the week two and knowing how tough it was going to be to beat BYU. So uh, I don't so, – but I don't even – like I think if I had to play this – in fact, I um, – yeah, I think if I had to play this, I would probably lean BYU. Like at some point, you just have to trust the team's not that good. Like you have to trust. Like I, I, there was so many. There, there was a lot of getting burned in week one, anticipating a week two coaching bump. And what was it? Eleven of eleven and one and twelve week two or year two coaches for mm-hmm. week one against the spread. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I and so like I think if I were to had to play this game, I would be like. You know what? I'm going to trust what I'm seeing on the field instead of trying to sort of predict what I think, like, like project what I think is going on in the weight room behind the scenes. And I'm just going to say BYU looks like a better team. I'm going to pick BYU, but I am not. I don't have the the stones to play it because I, I I get your perspective too on this one, Chip. Yeah, I don't I don't have a lock on it, but I would think that you know if you put BYU and Georgia State on a neutral field. BYU is going to win that game more often than Georgia State will. But I think that sometimes it's not just the team as much as it's the matchup. And based on what I saw from BYU against Utah last week, I think what really hurt Tennessee against Georgia State was Dan Ellington, who didn't have overall great numbers, but he made big plays when they had to make it. And when I look at that BYU offense, I don't see a Dan Ellington. Zach Wilson, man. I don't think he's got the kind of – let's say joie de vie of, of Dan Ellington and that kind of thing. I think BYU is more straightforward in what they're trying to do. Whereas Dan Ellington can, you know, create and improvise when he has to. And I think that he's more of an, you know, he's probably quicker than Wilson and that caused problems for Tennessee. So I think that BYU, I don't think BYU is going to get blown out in this game by any means. I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot closer than Tennessee fans would be hoping for just for the sake of their own, you know, hearts, but I do think that this is a better matchup overall for Tennessee because I think BYU lines up more directly with what Tennessee prefers to do. 
Barton, back to you. All right. Um, how about how about a? Uh, I'm gonna go. Gosh, which one do I want to go with here? I, I'm gonna see what Tom thinks about this pick, and maybe Tom's on board with me. Um, but I'm gonna go. Illinois is playing UConn. Where's that game? Is that on the road? Yeah, it's at UConn. At UConn. Okay. I don't know what kind of home field advantage they're messing with, but I am playing – I'm laying the 20 uh, for the Illini. Um, I think – was it up to no, – uh, well, let's see where – can I get 20? 20 and a half, I guess, maybe? Yeah, you can get 20 and a half. 20 and a half at Caesars. So I'm going to 20 and a half. Um, I mean, UConn – UConn doesn't have the luxury of of mailing in a week one performance so that they can you know not show a lot on film for the following week. They almost lost to Wagner last week. Again, I, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm gonna take it for what it is. Like this, UConn has been historically bad. It was historically bad. Like they're the worst defense in the history of college football last year, basically. Uh, and I'm not going to expect that they made big steps forward. While I think Illinois, hey, I mean, this might be the last year for Lovey Smith. I think it probably isn't, but it might be. Like, they, they got to go out, and, and every game's got to count. This is a, a better team than I think they get credit for nationally. I think this is a like a Power 5 team that other Power 5 teams have to show up or else they're going to lose to. And Brandon Peters is the best quarterback Lovey Smith has had. Um, and I think that they're a lot more talented than UConn. And I think that this is a opportunity to go out and, uh, and and kind of feel good and blow somebody out. And so I think that they're going to cover the three touchdowns plus. You know, earlier I mentioned when it comes to fading the public, it's not just blindly fading the public, but you want to kind of blind them when the chalk doesn't make a ton of sense. Well, 86% of the bets on this game are on Illinois to cover. Illinois, since the 2010 season, is 7-35 and straight up on the road and 16-26 and against the spread. They are 4-4 four and four as road favorites, though, against the spread. But I agree with you in that if Illinois is going to do anything this year, they have to go on their own and blow UConn out. That was, for me, the most... That was the big takeaway from last week's win against Akron was, if Illinois wants to get to a bowl game this year, if they want to take a step forward, that's the kind of team they should be blowing out. And they did last week against Akron. And now going on the road against this UConn team, this is the kind of team that they should be blowing out. You're right. They are far more talented than UConn. They do have the best QB they've had under Levy Smith. It's just... I might be too close here to it, but just based on what I've seen from Illinois on the road, I cannot lock it up. I won't be surprised if the Illini blow them out, but I also won't be surprised if they find themselves in a slugfest and barely win or even lose, just based on what I've seen from this team over the years. So I fully support your pick, but I cannot lock it up. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that. I'll take support. All right, Tom. All right, for my next lock, uh, we're going to an SEC Big Ten matchup. 
I am taking the Vanderbilt Commodores plus seven at Purdue. Uh, I it's for me essentially. I think what happened last week with Purdue at Nevada was you know it it mattered, it counted, but I also think that there was some reasoning for it in that Purdue. It's going on the road to open its season against a good group of five team is playing at elevation. And as you watch the game, you saw Purdue was really good in the first half and that kind of got gassed in the second half when Nevada came back. Now, maybe that's just, you know, confirmation bias is what I thought was happening. So that's what I saw. But it's what it looked like to me. But even so, before that happened, I wasn't super impressed with Purdue. I still felt like that offense is Rondale Moore or bust. And I trust, I don't think Vanderbilt has a ton of, like, you know, your typical SEC talent on defense, but I trust Derek Mason enough as a defensive mind and as a head coach that he knows Rondale Moore is the offense for the most part for the Boilermakers, and he's going to be able to put together a good enough game plan to not stop Rondale Moore because you're not, but he could at least limit him better than I think a lot of teams can so I think this is going to be a lower scoring, closer affair than many might believe. And I think that the line here is a bit of an overreaction to Vandy getting crushed by Georgia and ignoring some of the flaws that Purdue showed against Nevada last week. So I like the Commodores in the touchdown. If it was under a touchdown, I wouldn't be nearly as, as into it. But I mean, this this line opened with Vandy getting nine points, which is when I originally jumped on it. It's now down to seven. So apparently there's a lot of people that matter who agree with me here because that's a, you don't normally see two points worth of movement in a game like this. So I'm, I'm comfortable with the Commodores here. I'm locking them up. Do you think, yeah, what you say, Jeff? I was going to say, do you think Vandy gets the win? Uh, I wouldn't be shocked. Man. I don't think they will, but it would not, I don't think it would be like a major upset if it happened. Yeah. I, this is the Tyler Trent game for Purdue. So, I think that they're going to be emotionally charged. I think they win it, probably. But I agree with you that seven seven seems too many points. And and Vandy, like they did get blown out by Georgia, and Georgia could kind of could have kind of did well, could have done whatever they wanted basically against Vanderbilt. But I don't know. In some ways, Vanderbilt looked more competitive than I thought they would be. Um, and they and they played hard, and they do have and, and line of scrimmage. I think is where they struggle. Uh, they're they're not that bad at the skill spots. In fact, they've got some pretty good players at skill spots, and so that matches up a lot better with Purdue than it does Georgia. So, I would uh, I would lean your way as well, Tom. I'm going to go from uh, as, from Purdue Vandy to the team that took down the Boilermakers. I'm going to be locking up two words: Wolf Pack. Nevada plus twenty four in Autzen Stadium against Oregon. Uh, I mean, it's it's a little bit of the you know, are you gonna trust Oregon after that loss to come back and be fully clicking and just run over a team that's surging with confidence and might be pretty good? I think twenty four is too many doggone points, and I think this thing opened around twenty one and a half and has been pushed up to twenty four. I'm. I, I like jumping on the other side of that reaction. I don't see like Oregon can play better and have a get right game and win this thing by 20, but yet I still get the cover. And so uh, give me the, give me the wolf pack plus 24. You can get 24 and a half if you want it. I, yes. I would like that. Please. <laughs> key hook. That's a key yeah, hook. right? A key there. hook. <laughs> um, Barton. 
Uh, I'm going to do... How about we go... Let's see. When does Oregon State play Hawaii? Is that late Saturday night? Yeah, that's your midnight. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give everyone a reason to stay up. Stay up late. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, you got, did y'all, y'all watch that Hawaii Arizona game, right? Or a mm-hmm. lot. I know Tom did. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw three I, quarters of it. And then yeah, I was, I saw about three quarters of it too. Then I was woken but, up on the couch at like right. 4 a.m. The, Hawaii did not really look that good to me. I mean, they look dangerous. They could score points. Don't get me wrong. But I wasn't coming away from that thinking, man, this Hawaii team is the real deal. I came away from that thinking, man, Kevin Sumlin is in trouble. Uh, the Conversely, I didn't expect Oregon State to beat Oklahoma State the other night. Uh, but I did expect them to look improved playing them and they did i thought oregon state looked pretty good at times you know that i mean in oklahoma state as much as anything like really impressed me offensively i say that is going to be a a, an offensive scores on everybody so i think oregon state and 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 we all know i've got the over on the win total in oregon state so they need this win they can't. They can't overlook Hawaii. They got to go in there and, and take care of business. They're catching six and a half. This is a Pac-12 team catching six and a half to Hawaii, and I think Hawaii, after beating Arizona, is ripe to. I don't think they're going to sweep the Pac-12 here, and so I think Oregon State goes out there, wins, uh, gets win number one in the books, and uh, goes looking for number two next weekend. I don't hate it at all. I just I'm sitting here wondering what happens if Hawaii starts the season two and zero with two wins over Pac-12 teams. <laughs> do people start taking Hawaii seriously, or do they just say, "Eh, it's Pac-12 teams"? Oh yeah, it's <laughs> definitely the latter. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, okay, I've got two left. I've got one. I've got at least two. Ooh, do you want to go another one then? So I'll double up here. All right. Uh, FIU. <laughs> uh, Coming back. You can't leave them alone. Well, I didn't touch them against Tulane. Now, that was, I was surprised they got blown out by Tulane. Uh, thought that game would be competitive. Uh, I am very impressed with the way Tulane beat FIU. But the way they beat FIU was running it down their throat. Uh, uh FIU now gets Western Kentucky, who ain't running it down anyone's throat. And they come, I believe they're going back home, right? Let's see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's in, it's in uh, Miami, it, yeah, Fort it's, Lauderdale. It's, it's in South Florida, yeah. So they're getting, let's see, what's this number at? This is at seven, right? So I, I, think, I think we have a bounce back game from FIU. I think Western Kentucky sucks. I think that that hire was, I mean, look, Western Kentucky just lost to Central Arkansas last week. I think that is not a that is not a fluke. I don't. I I think that's more representative of this being a a hire that was. Uh, uh, how do I phrase this? Like I, I don't think that was the best hire for Western Kentucky, and I still think Butch Davis is the is is the real deal at FIU. This is going to be a game. 
coming off a big loss where they got something to prove, I think that they win by more than a touchdown. Give me FIU. Lock fight. Ooh, ooh, really? Ooh, ooh. Give me the fight, 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 fight. So I'm cushy. looking forward to hear this explanation. Uh, I mean, Western Kentucky lost to Central Arkansas last week. They lost by a touchdown. They also outgained Central Arkansas. They and they held they held Central Arkansas to 20 yards rushing on 29 attempts, 0.7 yards per attempt, while they rushed for 184 yards themselves over five yards per attempt. And Florida FIU looked awful. It looked really, really bad. It looked completely outclassed by Tulane in that game. And I think Tulane's got a chance to make some noise in the AAC this year, but I still was kind of very unenthused about the Panthers based on what I saw in that game. And I don't think that they're going to lose this game, but I don't think they're going to win by more than a touchdown. I think this is going to be like a 30 to 24 type of game where the Hilltoppers are at least staying within that touchdown. And I I really, I, I like the Hilltoppers here. I mean, this was, you know, I might actually have another lock now, but yeah, lock fight. Give me give me the toppers. Go big red. Wow. I'm shocked that I'm fight that I'm going to have to fight my way out of this one. <laughs> this is uh, now the now I the did game not, of the week. I did not come into this uh into this party expecting to fight anybody. I thought this was going to be a just drink my solo cup, have a you know, nice easy going time, but no. Tom came in here ripping his shirt off. Now I got to fight somebody. <laughs> I was never wearing a shirt, sir. <laughs> he he. Uh, okay, he, let's he have it, man. I, I'm I I I like FIU here. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm 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 feeling okay about this. <laughs> this game's gonna have two viewers, and they're gonna be named Barton and Tom. <laughs> um. All right. I'm gonna take us to the Big Eight rivalry, Nebraska Colorado. My hunch says that as this spread has moved towards Colorado, Nebraska about a four-point favorite or so. I think Nebraska covers, but I feel a lot better about going over 65 in this game. I think that uh, Colorado's defense did not show anything in the Rocky Mountain rivalry that leads me to believe that they are going uh, that, that they are going to like present much of a, a stop for Adrian Martinez and a Nebraska offense that really needs to uh, have a have a better performance and I guess I guess Barton you know like your big storyline through the week has been these year two coaches I'm really putting myself in a dangerous spot back in some of these year two coaches but the Nebraska offense scoring against Colorado uh, Steven Montez LaVisca Chenault finding some success uh, against Nebraska's defense the fact that Nebraska's defense has already shown us the ability to have some non-offensive touchdowns and the rivalry portion thrown into all this uh, I do think that both of these teams are going to end up getting up into the uh, up into the 30s and so give me Nebraska Colorado over 65 I can dig it um, yeah uh, lock agreement there we go so this was on. This was. <laughs> this is one of my, uh, you know, just missed picks. I'm just gonna throw it on the fire. I mean, I like the 65 points. Just is a, was a little higher than I would have liked. You know, I'd feel a little better if this was like 60, 61. Um, but I think I agree. I mean, I think 
the I mean, I think Colorado's going to be able to score. I think Nebraska last week was a little bit of a um, – I mean, I think that was not consistent with who they're going to be the rest of the year. Uh, I was really unimpressed with Colorado's defense against Colorado State. Uh, their their offense has plenty of playmakers, plenty of ability to score points, but their defense to me looked not that good. So I think Nebraska is going to be able to score on this Colorado team. I think Colorado is good enough to score on most teams, um, including and certainly Nebraska. So, sure, six, 65 points, is that what we're taking it at? Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll roll with you there. Excellent. Uh, you can get it at 64 and a half. I'll take it at 64 and a half. All right. Shop around. Yep. Uh, nah, I'm in agree. I mean, I'm not locking it up, but I, I like it for all the same reasons you guys like it. And uh, I'm I'm tapped out now. That's it. I'm I'm debating if I want to throw another. I mean, I'm already at what? Eight? <laughs> no, I think yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah, you're at eight. Do I want to go nine? I <laughs> mean, <laughs> uh, let me let me throw this on, and then you can you know maybe you're uh, yeah. Let me debate a little longer, and you can think a little more. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna in uh, as a further response to that Tulane FIU game last week. I, I'm gonna go Tulane plus eighteen. So they're playing Auburn. Um, I think like one of my big things with this Auburn game last week is is the overreaction to Bo Nix. There's this like suddenly he's this the leg, like the legend of Bo Nix has begun. And man, I I'll give him all the credit in the world. Like he he made some clutch throws to win that game, but there was a a pretty good what was he 13 of 31 or something throwing like there was a pretty good chunk of that game that he's he threw a couple picks. He was looking to scramble a lot, uh, and he made some some clutch throws late. But I I don't think that suddenly like they're going to be a team that is just you know you quarter, quarterbacks don't have to worry about quarterback. Like he's going to still have some mistakes along the way. He's still going to be a freshman. I think after an emotional physical win like that, there's gonna be a little bit of an exhale here Tulane is the type of team I know that Auburn's defensive front's really good but Tulane is the type of team that can run the ball possess the football shorten the game I just think that they you know that this is I don't think they I think Auburn wins but I think this is the type of game that Auburn um is kicks around and and plays a little closer than uh than, than people would prefer. So give me two lane plus the points. I, I mean, I like it. Yeah, that was my expert pick. And I just, and I would even just throw out as a bold prediction, man, I wouldn't be surprised if we, that that's a, you look up and it's like, is uh Hey guys, is Tulane up 10 to seven in the second quarter right now? Like it, right. Yeah. Just there, there there's a lot of reasons to like that. I, I didn't have it in, in my, as a log, on the on the side of the fire but uh but i i like that pick for sure okay i'm gonna do it yes <laughs> i am taking northern illinois plus 21 and a half at utah uh there's there's a couple principles in here first of all the total in this game is at 43 and a half or 44 
So in a game in which Vegas is expecting around a little more than six touchdowns, if I'm getting over three, that makes it somewhat enticing to me. And also, it's just the way that these two teams play. I don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored. And also, Northern Illinois is generally really good in these spots. Over the last uh, 10 years, 51 road games, they're 33-16-2 against the spread. But 16 of those road games have come against like winning teams. They've gone 12-3-1 against the spread in those games. This is a team that typically goes on the road and plays well when you don't expect it to, or at least stays within the number. Meanwhile, Utah, in that same situation at home against winning teams, is 1-6 against the spread. So, I mean, I know Northern Illinois is only 1-0, so calling it a winning team right now might be a bit of a stretch. I just think, though, with a low total, getting over three touchdowns and a hook, I like the Huskies to cover this one. Respect. Uh, yeah, I, res- I, I, have res- I have respect for that play as well. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. And, and I will not, and I won't be playing it. Uh, yeah, have fun with that one. <laughs> the, the, I've got, I've got one more as well. I think I'm going to throw on there. Do it. Um, I'm going to go. Just to, to counteract, you know, all my unders from last week, I'm going to go with another over here. I'm going to go over 51 and a half Southern Miss Mississippi State. Ooh. So I, I watched Mississippi State last week against Louisiana on defense. Uh, and I, I was – I was a little worried. It was a little worrisome. Um, I thought that they're mi- they're they're really missing Willie Gay at linebacker. Um, they're really missing Lee Autry at defensive line. Uh, I mean, I think the the nastiness of that unit with Jonathan Abrams and Jeffrey Simmons uh, is it's it's apparent, and particularly they. I, I just think the edge there. They just looked a little softer. Not a little. They looked a lot softer than last year's team. And maybe they'll get challenged this week and step up. But USM is a good team. And and so I think the Southern Miss is able to score. And I also really like Mississippi State's offense. I think it looked much more like you would expect them to look. And Kylan Hill will be able to run the football. So I think that, uh, I think that Southern Miss can score some points. And I'm going to go over 51 and a half. Woo! Two Busy. things. Okay. You can get it at 50 and a half. All right. Give it Shop to around, me. kids. Shop around. And another reason why I like this pick is it is going to be hot and humid at Davis Wade Stadium on Saturday. Right now, temperatures are supposed to be in the low to mid-90s throughout this game. And we tend to see in really hot, humid games like this, defenses tire out a lot quicker, which used leads to more points. So, yeah. Nice. Like that. All right, to review, here's what we got. First, for Tom, Miami minus four. The over in Wake Rice, those are both uh, lock agreements with Chip. 
Arkansas plus six and a half. That's a lock agreement with the dentist. Michigan minus 22. That's a lock agreement with Barton. Now he's on his own. Under 49 in Minnesota Fresno, the nightcap. Texas plus six and a half. Tom Herman as a dog. Vandy plus seven. A lock fight. Western Kentucky going up against Barton's FIU Panthers. And then Northern Illinois plus 21 and a half uh, on a principal with big underdog and low total. Barton. He's going to lock up uh, the fight in Clausen's Wake minus 19 on the road at Rice. Maryland minus two with a top 25 Syracuse team coming to town. Illinois minus 20 and a half. Michigan minus 22. Oregon State plus six and a half against Hawaii. Tulane plus 18 against Auburn. The over 64 and a half in Nebraska, Colorado. That's a lock agreement with me. Uh, FIU minus seven. And the over 50 and a half in the hot and humid Davis Wade Stadium in Southern Miss, Mississippi State. Chip has Miami minus four, the over 58 and a half in Wake Rice, the under 58 in Maryland, Syracuse, Clemson minus 17, Tennessee minus three, because goodness gracious, I mean, (laughs) you gotta. Uh, And then uh, Nevada plus 24 and a half going to play the Ducks in Autzen Stadium. And then the over 64 and a half in Nebraska, Colorado. At the end of week two, the total record of the entire locks committee was... Above, uh, we are 18 and 16 plus 0.4 units. So uh, we we are still keeping you with the winning ways. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Remember, reach out if you are in Austin. We will be around at the stadium, around the stadium on 6th Street at Woodrow's, right? Something like that. Woodrow's, Wilson's. Woodrow's. Low Woodrow's, Woodrow's, and Wood, Little Woodrow's. Little Woodrow's. Little Woodrow's on 6th. Uh, Danny Cannell and Barton Simmons and Barrett Salee will be there. I'll be out and around the stadium, and then uh, then Barrett and Barton uh, will be heading over to join me at uh, Daryl K. Royal. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Deserve.